0: Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm back with another installment of the News of the Month series on the Care Reviews podcast. This is where I talk about a few different entertainment news stories that feel important and or interesting to me. Each of the stories you'll be hearing me talk about have been divided into four separate categories. The first set of them is about Christopher Nolan. The acclaimed filmmaker behind so many modern classics such as The Memento, The Dark Knights Trilogy, Inception, and Dunkirk has his next movie lined up. It will be about J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atom bomb during World War II. The project has been set up at Universal Pictures, meaning Nolan has officially left Warner Brothers, which has produced and distributed all of his films since Insomnia back in 2002. That is likely a result of his comments from late last year about his frustrations with the latter studio's announcement of having their entire 2021 slate of movies stream on HBO Max for a month, beginning on the same day they're released in theaters, especially without telling any of the talent involved with those films beforehand. I guess it's a good thing that didn't end up happening with Nolan's last movie, Tenet, as it was originally scheduled to be released on July 17th, 2020, yet because of the pandemic, Warner Brothers delayed it indefinitely. The studio could have held on to the film until more theaters all over the world reopened to the public, which means that Tenet could have also debuted on HBO Max at the same time. Nolan absolutely would have been furious about that, as he clearly makes movies to be experienced on the big screen. How Warner Brothers ultimately released Tenet was by having it roll out internationally on August 26th, 2020, before eventually coming out in the United States one week later. On a budget of $200 million, the film ended up grossing over $363 million at the worldwide box office. Under normal circumstances, it would be considered a disappointment, though given that Tenet was released during a global pandemic, the business it did was not too shabby. In response to the news of Christopher Nolan coming to Universal Pictures, M. Knight Shyamalan, who has been based at that studio since 2015, tweeted, So happy to have a friend I admire so much come to a home that has supported my films in the theaters the way Universal has. The theatrical experience is non replaceable. In an era where the movie theater business is largely ruled by pre existing properties, we should be grateful for studios like Universal for supporting more original ideas, especially from some very high profile directors. I hope Nolan finds great success over there this next news story is about the oscars For those who may or may not remember, the Academy actually tried to shift a select few categories off of the Oscars telecast to commercial breaks in 2018 as a way to make their usually long ceremonies a little shorter. That was pretty much in response to the 2017 show from the year before hitting an all-time low in the ratings at that point. Thankfully, that decision received just enough backlash from not only fans, but also people in the industry as a great majority of them were not happy about it at all. So the Academy ended up presenting every single competitive award on the telecast, which they also did the last two years. The 2019 ceremony, which honored the movies of 2018, actually improved in the ratings, likely due to the fact that three of the Best Picture nominees, Black Panther, bohemian rhapsody and a star is born were big box office hits however the next two telecasts saw decreases in the ratings with the last one in particular hitting an all-time low now rumor has it that the academy is once again planning to shift some awards such as the shorts categories off of next year's oscars telecast if these rumors are true i can understand why Of all the awards the Academy gives out, only film aficionados have the most interest in seeing the short categories presented on the telecast, and not so much the general public, since the former group is the one that usually tracks down the short films. In other words, they tend to have a very niche appeal, though with that being said, I still don't think it's a good idea. When Jamie Foxx and Kerry Washington both presented the award for best live action short film on the 2013 telecast, which honored the movies of 2012, Kerry in particular said, Where do you think Spielberg and Scorsese came from? They made short films. Jamie then said, So our future A-listers are right here in this envelope. That may not always be the case, but sometimes you just never know. Like in 2004, one of the nominees in that category was Two Cars, One Night, written and directed by Taika Waititi. In recent years, he has become more well-known for his involvement with big properties such as Marvel and Star Wars, in addition to winning an Oscar himself for writing 2019's Jojo Rabbit. In 2005, the award for Best Live Action Short Film went to Six Shooter, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Since then, he received a Best Original Screenplay nomination for writing 2008 In Bruges, as well as two additional bits for writing and producing 2017's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Granted, two of the most recent winners for Best Animated Short Film involved athletes who became Oscar winners as a result. In 2017, Dear Basketball, which was produced by the production company of the late Kobe Bryant, won that award, which also earned him an Oscar. Oscar. In 2019, Hair Love, which was written, produced, and directed by former NFL player Matthew A. Cherry came out victorious. If ABC and the Academy would really like to improve the ratings for the next Oscars telecast, I think there are much better ideas they could do instead. Maybe bring back a host and have it be an A-list performer although I wouldn't mind if they continue to go hostless like they did the last three years, as that has helped the show go by a little quicker than usual. They could hope for at least one big box office hit to be nominated for Best Picture. Of course, it's rare nowadays to see those kinds of movies as big Oscar contenders. They could also try to get A-listers to perform the Best Original Song nominees. Just whatever they do, please don't take this big moment in the spotlight away from these under-the-radar filmmakers. This next news story is going to be a recap of the Emmys, which recently took place on September 19th this past month. (laughs) All right, at the time of this recording, we are about over one week removed from this year's Primetime Emmy Awards. Jack Mahanes is back to discuss them with me. So, Jack, are you ready to start?
1: Let's do this. I can't wait to dive into this. I have a lot of thoughts.
0: Yeah, so first I want to talk about the telecast itself. What were your thoughts on it as a whole?
1: I really thought it was really cool to see this, you know, in-person ceremony. I know the Oscars did it, but the Emmys, it just sort of felt more like – a return to the normal award show feel. I thought the setting was really cool. I thought, you know, a lot of the presenters were cool. In terms of the winners, this was, well, we're going to get into that a little bit, but let's just say I was over the moon.
0: Yeah. As for my thoughts on the telecast, I enjoyed it overall. I especially liked how in the opening they made this particular ceremony feel more like a party for those in attendance. And as host, Cedric the Entertainer didn't get too much in the way of the show, but when he did appear,
1: I thought he did a pretty solid job. I think he did a good job too i mean i wasn't like i didn't love him as a host but i thought he did a very good job
0: yeah my thoughts exactly as for the winners okay we're gonna go through three separate genres first comedy then drama then limited series starting with the comedy categories for the first two awards of the night ted lasso did very well Hannah Waddingham won Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Comedy Series, followed by Brett Goldstein winning Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series.
1: Yes, and I was really, really happy for both of them winning, especially Hannah Waddingham. We knew that Hannah Waddingham was... Pretty much a slam dunk to win this going into the Emmys. I mean, I know some people thought there was a possibility of Hannah Einbinder winning, but I never bought that because Ted Lasso did phenomenally well with the acting branch. And Rebecca, Hannah Wadiam's character is a lot of people's favorite supporting character in Ted Lasso. So I just didn't see a scenario in which she lost. And when Seth Rogen butchered her name, reading the winner, I was still very excited. And her speech was awesome. And yeah, that whole moment, I was just like, This is going to be a really, really great night. And then Brett Goldstein brilliantly channeled Roy Kent during his acceptance speech. And he was funny. And yeah, and he overcame vote splitting with three of his co-stars. I mean, we know some people can win with one co-star or two co-stars, but it's very rare that someone wins an Emmy with three co-stars in their category. But. Brett Goldstein won, and he deserved it.
0: So for outstanding writing in a comedy series, you and I both predicted one of the two Ted Lasso episodes to win, but they apparently canceled each other
1: out as the show about comedy writers, Hacks, ended up winning instead. Yes, and this, looking back, it really wasn't that much of a surprise given, as you just said, it's a show about comedy writing. And so when Daniel Levy read Hacks as the winner, I was sort of like, oh, I should have known. But I thought that, I know most people were predicting the pilot, but the pilot of Ted Lasso, if you look on IMDb, it's the lowest rated Ted Lasso episode of the entire series, so I was very surprised that a lot of people were predicting that. I thought if a Ted Lasso episode was going to win, it was going to be Make Rebecca Great Again, which a lot of people considered the highlight of the season. I was kind of surprised that they canceled each other out, or maybe they didn't cancel each other out. Maybe Hacks was just that strong with the writers.
0: And the directors as well, since for outstanding directing at comedy series, there were multiple Ted Lasso episodes in contention. You and I both predicted that they were going to cancel each other out. However, we settled on the flight attendant, which won the
1: DGA earlier this year, instead of the actual winner hacks. That was the real surprise. I mean, as soon as Hacks won, I was like, Huh? I didn't see hacks as a kind of show the directors would go for for the win. I mean, we knew that Three episodes for directing is usually a death sentence. It happened with Game of Thrones, it happened with Watchmen, and now it's happened with Ted Lasso. I think if one Ted Lasso episode was nominated, it most likely would have won. Mm -hmm. But I think what we see is that when there's a vote split, the runner-up for series is usually what takes directing. Like, if it's not the front runner, it's usually the one that's the runner-up. I guess... Hacks was very, very strong this year. And um, I know you texted me after Hacks won comedy directing. You said, are we about to see this giant upset for comedy series? And I just calmly said, no, it, it's, that's actually not going to happen because Jason Sudeikis is going to win comedy lead actor in just a few minutes. And that's going to mean Ted Lasso won three acting awards and Ted Lasso took three creative arts awards. And I know Hacks is not a very techie show, but Hacks won nothing could even win for Jane Addams for comedy guest actress And So even when um, Hacks won writing and directing, we knew that, uh, at least for directing, it was because of Ted Lasso vote splitting. But I knew Ted Lasso was still safe for comedy series.
0: Yeah, although given how well Hacks did, one
1: has to wonder
0: how close of a race it was in an outstanding comedy
1: series. My guess would be that I think Ted Lasso won comfortably, but it wasn't like a gigantic landslide that drama series was. I think... Hacks maybe did slightly better than we anticipated it would originally do, but I still think Ted Lasso won it pretty comfortably.
0: And for outstanding lead actress in the comedy series, it thankfully was not an upset, as Jean Smart not only won for her powerhouse performance on Hacks, but got such a well-deserved standing ovation.
1: Absolutely. And that was so wonderful to see. She hasn't won an Emmy in quite a few years. I know a lot of people have been wanting her to win again. And um, I just thought it was just one of the most well-deserved wins of the night. It was one of the best performances of the year. And Amanda Spears said on the Next Best Picture podcast set, and I agree with her, I don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to see Gene Smart win for playing Deborah Vance on Hacks.
0: For outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, to the surprise of pretty much no one, Jason Sudeikis prevailed.
1: there for Ted Lasso. Of course, I think everyone, I think even Catherine Zeta-Jones knew that Jason Sudeikis was hands down going to win this. You know, I was really, really happy for him that he won this. I mean, not just because, you know, it was a great performance, but I've loved Jason Sudeikis since he was on Saturday Night Live. And to see him get this recognition for what, in my opinion, is the role of his career, which is so wonderful to see. But I was a little surprised he didn't wear a hoodie. No, I'm just kidding. I knew he wasn't going to, but it would have been awesome to see if he did wear a hoodie. Speaking of which, for
0: outstanding comedy series, well, the actor's branch came through for Ted Lasso as it won there as expected.
1: I would actually say the actors and the crafts came through for Ted Lasso because it had won three creative arts um, the weekend before. This was just the water cooler show of the year. And it was just a show that I remember week by week, Earlier this year, as it was premiering its second season, just the enthusiasm from everyone on Twitter and everyone I knew, the enthusiasm was just through the roof. And it was well-deserved. I thought Hacks was a great show, but I loved Ted Lasso even more, and so I was glad that Ted Lasso did it.
0: Yeah, so it was nice to see both top-notch comedy series take home their share of awards on Emmy Night.
1: Definitely. And I know that... Both of them will most likely get, you know, a couple more wins in the future.
0: And as for the drama categories, you and I were both right that The Crown was going to sweep, although I did end up being a little more right that it was going to pull off a clean sweep like Shits Creek did in the comedy series categories last year.
1: <laughs> now, the sweep was something that I always knew could happen. I just was a little bit skeptical of predicting it for... One of the categories I know that we'll get to. And if you heard me on your previous podcast episode about the Emmys, then you all will remember why I didn't go there to predict who won <laughs> drama supporting actor.
0: Well, before we get to that, okay, the Crown's first win on Emmy night was Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Drama Series for Gillian Anderson's powerhouse performance as Margaret Thatcher. That's what already won an Oscar for Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady. And now it's won an Emmy for Gillian Anderson in The Crown. And this
1: was, in my humble opinion, the performance of the year. Male, female, non-binary. It was, for me, the performance of the year. And, I mean, we knew that this was... You could make a case for Jason Sudeikis being the biggest lock of the night, or you could have made the case for Gillian Anderson being the biggest lock of the night. But if you didn't put your money on her after she won SAG, where she overcame vote splitting with the two leads, Olivia Coleman and Emma Corrin, I don't know what to tell you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, this was the acting win that made me the most happy on Emmy night.
0: Although, then came Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, which was a huge gift for me as I ended up being right with my prediction there. Now, before we get into it further, now, we should say that Kerry Washington presented the award. And before she went into it, she paid tribute to one of the recently deceased nominees, Michael Kenneth Williams, who was the presumed frontrunner even before his death. And, of course, you know, a lot of us were skeptical if he could still pull it off, given that, well, his show Lovecraft's Country was canceled, even though Courtney B. Vance did win Outstanding Best actor in a drama series the weekend before so that did make me wonder if Michael K. Williams could still win, but he didn't.
1: And that was why I, I settled on Michael K. Williams in the end, even though, as I mentioned on the previous episode. I was very skeptical of him winning because it was a cancel series, but he kind of felt like the person we all put out front by default just because he won critics choice. But I knew that category was wide open to where six out of eight of those men had a realistic chance of winning. And yes, you were right that it ended up being Tobias Menzies, which great job for calling that. The reason I did not predict Tobias Menzies was because even in places where the crown got on a sweep, he didn't win mm-hmm. whether it be at the critics choice or, Or at the Gold Derby Awards, and the Gold Derby website is full of diehard crown fans. But you could tell, speaking of Kerry Washington, you could tell when she opened that envelope that you could tell she thought it was an absolute scandal that Michael K. Williams lost.
0: And yeah, and I did mention this in my predictions that I had Tobias Menzies winning as part of a possible sweep for the crown, so I thought I'd predict a clean sweep and see how I do there. Now it's a good thing I did.
1: Joyce Eng um, said in one of her slugfests with Christopher Rosen that maybe it was best to predict the crown for everything because given that the crown was such a heavy front runner, that even if it lost, you know, it's safer to bet on the crown for everything given that a sweep was very very likely
0: in fact I should point out that just like you know best actor at the Oscars this past year the person who ended up beating the posthumous frontrunner was unable to accept the award at all
1: I know and that was a crazy coincidence that I didn't even think about until you texted that to me and I was like oh wow you're right
0: yeah I mean it was obviously a shame that Michael K. Williams never won an Emmy but hey nobody's perfect
1: no I mean but it doesn't diminish their legacy just like even though Chadwick Boseman didn't win the oscar earlier this year his legacy is secure as is michael k williams
0: indeed now for outstanding writing in a drama series the crown won marking peter morgan's very first major award here in the united states
1: and i feel like this was a very easy one to predict i know some people thought about calling an upset for this one but i never saw an upset for this one i I knew there could have been upset for drama directing but i never thought there was going to be an upset for this one i think the crown won this pretty handily. And for an extremely well-written episode, I mean, I think War was the best season finale that they've had yet. It was really satisfying to see Peter Morgan, after writing so many brilliant scripts, finally be awarded for the amazing writer that he is.
0: Indeed. Although for outstanding directing in a drama series, I for the second year in a row predicted one of the two episodes from the same show to win, but the other episode managed to beat it. Last year it happens with Succession, now it happens with The Crown.
1: Happened to me too, because I predicted this is not for tears to be a directing win for Succession last year, given that that was what was going to win for writing. But when Hunting won, I was like, oh wow, I did not see that coming. And then this year, I had a feeling that the two Crown episodes were like the top two in that race. And so I thought it could go either way. But I think after the creative arts, when Fairytale won for cinematography and for editing, I was like, you know what? The TV Academy as a whole seems to really love the episode Fairytale. So it's probably what the directors will go for. But as soon as War was named the winner, I was not surprised at all. And good for Jessica Hobbs, who I think is the third or fourth woman to win this category. Yeah, probably, yeah. It was really great. It was a very well-deserved win. I loved that episode so much. I loved Fairytale too, but I loved War even more. Great for Jessica Hobbs, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So for Outstanding Lead Actress in the Drama Series, we both predicted Emma Corrin's win, but Olivia Coleman once again managed to pull off an upset at an awards show.
1: I have to say, every single win that happened on Emmy Night, even if I didn't predict it, I considered it at least a possibility. Not for one second did I think Olivia Coleman was going to pull it off. Nothing against her. I love Olivia Coleman. I loved her as Queen Elizabeth. I'm really going to miss her for seasons five and six. And she did a great job of making the character her own. But I just thought, you know, given the choice between the two, people would overwhelmingly go for Emma Corrin. And I had Olivia Coleman in fourth place on Gold Derby. I had MJ Rodriguez and Elizabeth Moss ahead of her. I mean, yes, I can understand that maybe a lot of actors in the acting branch felt that it was Olivia Coleman's time. And given that The Crown was the heavy frontrunner win maybe they thought okay we might as well give it to the crown herself
0: well i mean i actually had olivia in third place above elizabeth moss but that's a whole other discussion although i did see some people point to oh claire foy surprisingly winning guest actress the weekend before the creative arts should have been the signal
1: and that's a very good point but i thought claire foy winning was a sign that the actors were just going to give it a lot of wins in general i didn't think that that was a signal that they were going to give it to olivia coleman i just thought they were going to give it to you know Know, people more than just Gillian Anderson which some people thought that maybe the crown would just in terms of the acting wins would just win for Gillian. but I thought Claire winning was a sign that The actors were going to go crazy for the crown this year, which they did, but not for everyone who I thought they would go crazy for.
0: Well, I guess after Olivia Colman and Claire Foy both winning for their final seasons as Queen Elizabeth II, we should expect Amelda Staunton to do so in this category for the final season in a few years.
1: Absolutely. That's one of the things I said immediately to my friends afterwards. I was like, look, we all should not bet on Imelda Staunton for season five we all need a bet on her for season six assuming that the crown is still great which we know it will be (laughs) yeah it's been consistently great
0: and for outstanding lead actor in a drama series josh o'connor managed to overcome every single hurdle he had to win
1: and great for him like he was so deserving and as soon as tobias menzies won i thought that both emma and josh were gonna win even when olivia coleman won i was still like after the crown had won every single acting award, i was like they're gonna give it to josh and I predicted Josh, but I knew it was going to be a tight race between him and Billy Porter. But then after the crown won every other acting award of the night, I was like, Josh has it. Josh is just so sweet when he gives his acceptance speeches. If you watched him during the Golden Globes and you watch him here, he's just gushing. He's humble. And he's just such a likable person. Which is, you know, the complete opposite of the character who he played. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, we should say he was actually the only
0: Crown winner who accepted the award in L. A. as opposed to London, which was where everyone in cast and crew was having like a viewing party.
1: I know, and that was very interesting. So, for
0: Outstanding Drama Series, The Crown became the very first Netflix show to win a top series award at the
1: Emmys, and very deservingly so, in my opinion. Oh, it one hundred and fifty percent deserved to win this season of The Crown was one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Like, it was just perfect, in my opinion. My two favorite ongoing shows are The Crown and Ozark. And I'm so thrilled that one of them has had its turn to dominate the Emmys.
0: It should be interesting to see how Ozark does for its final season coming up.
1: Absolutely. Well, we know that it's going to be the first half this next semi season, and then the second half will be the, the Emmy season afterwards, because they're doing like Breaking Bad, where they're dividing it the last season into two halves.
0: Now moving on to the limited series categories. Now up until the Creative Arts Awards, I had Julianne Nicholson winning Outstanding Supporting Actress in the limited series for Mare of Town. although I ended up switching to the presumed frontrunner Catherine Hahn for WandaVision due to me feeling that my previous production was probably wishful thinking on my part. Yet Julianne's final scene in her show was barely enough as
1: she still managed to win. It was the first surprise of the night for me. Like I knew... Catherine Holland was not a lock, but it did seem like there was so much enthusiasm for her that she was likely going to win. But as soon as Julian Nicholson won, I was so happy because that scene you're referring to in that final episode is heartbreaking. It will bring you to tears, like sort of the same way Laura Linney did in the last two episodes of the third season of Ozark. As soon as Julian Nicholson won, I first thought, like, oh, the actors have come through for Mayor, and then it just continued. Yeah, because in the next
0: category, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Limited Series, Evan Peters won, just as we both expected. And at that point in the night, I wondered if Mayor of Easttown's success was going to be similar to that of Godless from a few years ago, where it's won both supporting races, but that was all on the main telecast.
1: Yeah, and as soon as Evan Peters won. It sort of, in a way, restored my hope for Kate Winslet to win Lead Actress, because I had sort of lost hope after the creative arts, and I sort of thought that, oh, if Queen's Gambit's that big, then they might give it to Anya Taylor-Joy. When it won both supporting awards, that sort of made me think, oh, wow, the actors really love Mare Town. so that made me think that maybe Kate could do it.
0: Yeah, although I must admit, when Godless won both supporting races a few years ago for Merit Weaver and Jeff Daniels, I wondered if my prediction, which was actually Michelle Dockery and lead actress, was going to come through, but it didn't.
1: Ah, I see. It's Regina King, who's... A queen of the
0: Emmys. Yes, she is. Regina Queen, as she should be named. <laughs> yes, definitely. For outstanding directing in the limited series, Scott Frank gave the first of two long speeches that night when he won for the Queen's Ambits.
1: Oh, God, that speech went on for an eternity. This was his Pavel Pavlikovsky moment. Like, for those listening, if you don't know what I'm referring to, when Ida won Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars back in 2015... Pavel Pawlikowski, the director, accepted it, and he kept talking, even though the music was playing him off. And they cut the music, and then they try to play him off again, and he kept talking. Scott Frank did the exact same thing, and it was like, uh, just get off the stage already. Yeah,
0: but I guess quickly moving on to Outstanding Writing Unlimited series, I settled on The Queen's Gambit and my predictions, feeling that it was going to do very well on the main telecast, yet yeah, Michaela Cole managed to join the ranks of V.B. Warbridge and Dan Levy as actors who've
1: won Emmys for writing with her prize for I May Destroy You. And I am kicking myself that I changed that the last minute because I had Michaela Cole winning this right up until the very last week. And then I switched to the Queen's Gambit after it dominated the creative arts, thinking that, oh, wow, the enthusiasm for Queen's Gambit really is still there. But then Michaela Cole won. I was like, I should have known. And I will say, I think she gave the speech the night. It was only 60 seconds, but what she said in those 60 seconds was really, really powerful. Well,
0: yeah, in fact, I must admit, as the evening was going on, I started to get a feeling that the Queen's Gambit was going to follow a similar trajectory to Stranger Things in 2017, where it's this big hit Netflix series that sweeps the Creative Arts Awards but underperforms on the main ceremony. And while it did, to some extent, the Queen's Gambit still managed to pull off a couple wins on the main ceremony.
1: It was sort of like Game of Thrones two years in a row for the last two seasons where Dominic Creative art but only won two awards on the main telecast.
0: Now on to Outstanding Lead Actress in the Limited series. I had Kate Winslet winning for Town*, but when The Queen's Gambit swept the creative arts, that led me to believe that we were going to get something similar on the main telecast, so I settled on Anya Taylor-Joy. Yet ten years after winning for Mildred Pierce, another HBO miniseries
1: featuring Guy Pierce, Winslet pulls it out again. And I have never been more happy at any award show to be wrong. Because I did the exact same thing. As soon as I was talked into switching to Anya Taylor Joy, even though I really didn't want to, because I loved Kate Winslet's performance much more than Anya Taylor Joy's, and both were great, but I just Kate Winslet's performance just resonated with me so much more. And when Sarah Paulson read Kate's name, I jumped off my couch cheering. I was so so happy. And then Kate Winslet followed it up with an awesome speech. Even though Gillian Anderson was my favorite acting win of the night, this was the win that made my night. It was like I was just over the moon excited that Kate Winslet did it in the end.
0: Yeah, while I was mad at myself for switching my predictions, I was at least happy to have been proven wrong.
1: I was like, you know, I don't even care that I was wrong. The person who I wanted to win won. Now, for outstanding
0: lead actor in a limited series, you and I both went with Paul Bettany due to his show WandaVision having the most support overall. Yet, Ewan McGregor ended up winning his first major industry award for Halston.
1: And great for him. I have not watched Halston, but I have some friends who knew Halston and said that he just completely nailed it and thought he very much deserved the Emmy. I in the last week was feeling very, very shaky about predicting Paul Bettany because we saw that WandaVision was underperforming the creative arts. And as soon as Katherine Hahn lost, I was like uh th- there's probably gonna be a big surprise in this category and marcus james dixon of gold derby the day before had published an article on why he was predicting you mcgregor to win and i thought interesting i don't feel good making last minute predictions because that never ends well for me if i switch at the last minute i did move ewan mcgregor up to second when he won i was like i really wasn't that surprised
0: Yeah, I think I moved Ewan up to second place as well.
1: But good for him. Ewan McGregor is such a fantastic actor. He's worked with everyone. He's been in this industry for a while, and it was really cool to see him get this kind of recognition.
0: Well, yeah, and I must admit, I did watch Halston, and I thought the miniseries as a whole was okay, but, you know, his performance was definitely one of the highlights of it for me. This year, the final award of the night was Outstanding Limited Series, and The Queen's Gambit, even though it underperformed on main telecast, still managed to pull it out, becoming the second Netflix show to win a top series award at the Emmys.
1: Yes, and Netflix has to be feeling so great, like we finally did it, because you know, the crown won, and then the Queen's Gambit won. Now Netflix shows have a real fighting chance at future series wins, which is great, because Netflix has been producing a lot of great shows. As I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of The Crown and Ozark. I love Stranger Things. This was the year of Netflix. Indeed.
0: In fact, I will admit, you know, given how well Mare of did on the main telecast, well, one has to wonder how close Outstanding Limited series
1: was. It could have been close. I don't think it was that close because Queen's Gambit won nine at the creative arts. And then the only creative art win that Mary's Town took was production design. And then it's only other wins were those three acting wins. Maybe just like with Hacks versus Ted Lasso, maybe Mary of Easttown was a little bit closer than we thought it was, but Queen's Gambit probably still won it comfortably. Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
0: So that's pretty much all Jack and I discussed regarding this year's Primetime Emmy Awards. For our final subject, I'd like to take this moment to remember two industry veterans we've lost within this past month. Actor Michael Kenneth Williams' death on September 6th at the age of 54 has already been touched upon earlier in the episode. Meanwhile, actor-comedian Norm MacDonald died of cancer on September 14th at the age of 61. He began his career in stand-up comedy before going on to write for television sitcoms such as The Dennis Miller Show and Roseanne. While he was writing for the latter, producer Lorne Michaels took notice of his talents and gave him a job as a series regular on Saturday Night Live. Norm was on that show for about five seasons from 1993 through 1998, where he not only provided a weekend update, but also impersonations of various celebrities such as Larry King, Burt Reynolds, D. David Letterman, Quentin Tarantino, and more. My condolences go out to both of their families. So that's just about does it for the news of this month. I will be back on November 1st to discuss any bit of entertainment news stories that I found interesting and or important from October. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at Carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.